David, did you know that Sam wrote that song and performed it? I assume that it was a wet bandit's <laughs> The wettest. Okay, I've gotten ahead of ourselves. The date is May 10th, 1994. The number one song on the Billboard 200 is The Sign from Ace of Base. Do you know that one, nope. Sam? Nope. You really don't? I saw the sign. Oh, yeah. What year is this? I'm sorry. Sign. 1994. Dude. A golden age. Because we're going to do the Pinkerton one. when I was born, we never did. <laughs> <laughs> we never did this with Pinkerton back when we did the Pinkerton. So when we get to Pinkerton, we'll do it for this, too. And that time period will make you jealous, the songs that are in here. Number one mainstream rock song, May 10th, 1994, Keep Talking by Pink Floyd. We've talked about this before, too. Yeah, How just old super bands will show up in here, and you're like, Super gigantic. Hell? Yeah, you know, just, like just on the basis of their massive fan bases from 20 years before. Yeah. Number one album, The Division Bell from Pink Floyd. You're, blow your mind here. I was going over this with David beforehand, and, uh, and <laughs> I was like, dude, number one mainstream rock, keep talking. And David's like, oh, that was probably from The Division Bell. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> oh, by the way, this is the Wet Bandits podcast. <laughs> we, uh, this is Wheezy talking. There's also Slam Jam. Slam Jam. <laughs> We're two-fifths of the Wet Band. It's the greatest 90s cover band in the world. This is an, a discography podcast where we cover bands from the 90s, usually. And we look at how their style or musical output changes throughout their career. And we hopefully find some gems that maybe we didn't love as much the first time around. Maybe breathe a little new life into some of the things we forgot about. And we have a guest today. This is David. Hey, I'm David. Oh, David's from the Fairweather, which the Fairweather comprises about 50% of our total podcast guests. We usually have Kevin on. <laughs> Kevin has the most popular, well, not anymore. Kevin used to have the most popular episode of any Wet Bandits podcast episode, but somehow the Californication episode has like skyrocketed past. Past Fear Inoculum? Yes, not really? not not on SoundCloud. Because oh. SoundCloud is where people think they're listening to an album. Uh, oh. <laughs> like, I won't get this for free. <laughs> they click on our sound on our uh, podcast episode, and they're like, "Oh shit, this sucks." <laughs> <laughs> but um, on our actual like our host site, the number one is Californication by like three times as much as everything else. Hmm. So I don't know how that happened. Probably because. That's the episode where we, Kevin was supposed to be on. Oh, uh, bad we, shrimp. Yeah, he ate a bad shrimp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that happens like every weekend. <laughs> so I'm just going to put that out there. That guy uh, has more food poisoning than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, that's why we, we assumed that might be true. That's why we said he ate a bad shrimp. Like, I bet this happens a lot. No. <laughs> but we recorded that at the same place we are right now, Nostalgia Brewing. Thanks Except to them. Outside. They gave it, yeah, we were outside. It was unseasonably warm at the time because it was fall. 
definitely. Was it? But it was warm outside. So, <clears throat> but we're indoors now because it's cold and it's snowing. You can see it on YouTube. Um, but they were so nice. They gave us this table, you know, yeah. ahead of time. They just let us hunker down in this corner. So this is great. Even though we have already recorded, we're doing this out of order again. We've already recorded two Weezer episodes. This is the first one that you all will hear. Dude, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. I'm sweating from that fireball. <laughs> D- dude, I'm not. I took it like a man. We did some fireball shots, which is another nostalgia pro- brewing. Pro- probably because you had tumbling this morning. You already sweated. Yeah, tumbling. Just kidding. We took my daughter to a tumbling class, and Sam thought I was going <laughs> yeah. to tumble. He was like, how was class this morning? I was like, oh, she wasn't She wasn't very good. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Sam's like, well, what? Well, the funny thing is, is like last night, I was like, can I come? <laughs> Adult tumbling. Yeah. (laughs) Are those like some experimental (laughs) yoga or something? (laughs) The moral of the tumbling class for my daughter is that we haven't done enough structured playing for her yet. We do a lot of just do whatever you want, which isn't, we're not like, we still watch her, we still play, but as soon as she changes her mind, like we let her do it. But like now she's got these people trying to like guide her and she's just running off doing <laughs> whatever. So it was cute, but it was not. She, she was like the least. She might have also been the youngest kid mm. there, but she wasn't uh, as prepared as some of the others. But we're not here to talk about my daughter. We're here to talk about Weezer's Blue Album, released May 10th, 1994. I am excited. I am. Weezer's my fifth favorite brand of all times. And, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it. Let's just get into it. Um, this was probably the fifth album I ever owned. Huh. Actually, let's do it. First album I ever owned, Offspring Smash. Second album, Green Day Dookie. Third album, Best of Deep Purple, kind of like my dad's influence there. Actually, I think Weezer Blue is the fourth album I ever owned. I got it for my birthday. So... This holds a special place in my heart. Sam, you were just born. (laughs) (laughs) Was was preparing for this the first time you'd ever listened to the album? No, I've listened to it. Okay. Um, Did you get it like what? You'd never heard of Weezer. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Did you get this like as a gift, like a random gift? Or did you want it? Oh, I asked for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because as I've said on this podcast before... I judged what albums I should get based on Entertainment Weekly's top 10 album sales for, for the week. So I was like, oh, I guess I want this. So d- did you get it exactly when it came out? I got it pretty early. So I, mu- I was in eighth grade, which means I was how old? I'm really bad at this. Which means I was like 13. Is that yeah. right? So that would have been 94. So I got it like, nice. you know, probably three months after it came out. So... When did you first hear the album? Well, I was a fan of Guitar Hero 3, so I played My Name is Jonas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> On Expert. <laughs> On Expert, obviously. That's awesome. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I've listened to it before. I don't know. Probably when we listened to Pinkerton. Oh, yeah. I like listened to it, too, yeah, yeah, to yeah. kind of get an understanding. Yeah, I, I should back up a little bit. We already covered Pinkerton in, like, the... I can't remember. It's in a previous episode. It's paired with another album. When we did... It, we named it the third best sophomore album of the 90s, right? I think so. Um, behind Nevermind 
and one other and throwing copper. Oh. So we, this was third, I think. Where was Anima? Where was what? Anima. Anima? Not on there. Oh really? Yeah, probably could have been, but we were rushing to get things done at the time. But the point is that we, we talked about Pinkerton already, and uh, and yeah, so we're not going to officially do an episode on that. We're this week we're doing blue, and then next week we're doing green. But because David's here, we're definitely talking about Pinkerton on this episode also. So we're so Pinkerton is in play. So I basically, I'll say, I'll tell how I got into it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with a ton of music, and like I saw the Stones in concert, I saw McCartney. Um, but when American Idiot came out, was when I first kind of like got into quote unquote newer yeah. music. And so then I got into some things that my I have two older sisters that they liked, like uh, Cake and Ben Folds Five and Ben Folds and. I made a mix CD that had all of Blue, all of Pinkerton, and Hashpipe. Because when they're only 30 minutes long, you can fit all that on one <laughs> Exactly, <CD>. 120 <laughs> minutes, and I could fit one extra song, so I put Hashpipe. Um, and I listened to it uh, pretty much nonstop. So those two albums especially kind of meant, like meld together in my mind, uh, especially with uh, Matt Sharp on bass. I feel yes. like it's a big element of their sound so yep. um but that would have been like 2005 so. yeah <laughs> so 10 years it late. still counts it still counts this reminds me i don't even know if sam knows this did you know i don't know david because he david subbed for the wet oh yeah one i know time. yeah you know that uh-huh. i know david from years ago when i tried to form a weezer cover band. this is pretty and, exciting yeah so i got on craigslist yeah, I hadn't been in a band for a while. I was like, I need to do something. So we just formed a Weezer cover band through Craigslist. But my buddy was singing. And that's probably why it mostly... F- okay. It was kind of half-baked anyway. Like, But we practiced like one time in my basement. And it actually... We played My Name is Jonas. And there was a little bit of, I would say, magic. Because I didn't honestly... My buddy has a good voice, but he's not like a performer. And I, I wasn't confident that he would be able to hold up his end of the bargain, especially because my name is Jonas has some like difficult parts for a vocalist. And he actually pulled it off. And I don't know. We probably did a couple other things. But anyway. Um, well, but it, was, it was wild. It was like. So for me, I was in my senior year of high school. Yeah, you were young. In the second half of the senior year of high school, so I really did not like care about anything. <laughs> um, and like I had the fair weather. We did a mu- original music then, uh, but I was like looking on Craigslist just to see like more opportunities to play drums. And I see this ad for a band. We're just gonna play Weezer. We're not gonna do anything <laughs> else, which was absurd. But I was like, you know, Weezer. Those songs are so simple on the drums. That would be a walk in the park. Uh, so I, I show up with my drums and everything, uh, set them up in your basement, and you guys are all like 10 years older than me. <laughs> you guys are asking me if, <laughs> I wanted, if I wanted a drink, and I'm like, dude, I'm underage. But we played all of uh, the Blue album. Yeah. We played all of, or not all of, but maybe about half of Pinkerton or something. Yeah. And then we only did four or five rehearsals, and then I literally didn't put together that you were in that band. Until I filled in with you guys I know. a couple well, months ago. Well, 
And I only I was like, this, you look so familiar. Yeah. I've played with this guy before. <laughs> I was like, dude, you happen to like Weezer. You happen to have, have a Weezer cover band that played I, in your basement? For a short time, yes. I still think the Weezer cover band is a good idea. Yeah. Um, a band that only does Weezer, well, you obviously, we're in a 90s only cover band. Like, I'm very big on a very targeting a specific subset. Um, I, I think that a Weezer cover band addresses something that isn't really out there, which is like people that aren't really looking to dance or hook up. Like they're just into like fun music and a Weezer cover band, like tells you exactly what they are and you would know what to expect yeah. going to see a <coughs> Weezer cover band. But that's again, not what we're here to talk about. We're here to, t- <laughs> we're here to talk about the blue album, um, which is, um, I don't think I'm going too far. Classic. It's a classic. Yeah, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got it's got at least three songs that almost everyone would know. Yeah. Maybe four. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, so David hasn't been on with us before, and I'm gonna kind of tell him how this goes as we go. Normally, this song has ten bangers. It's ten songs. They're all good. Normally, just like in a, if we were doing movie reviews, you wouldn't cover every scene if there were some scenes that were unimportant. But every song on here is somewhat important. So we're probably going to talk a little bit about all of these. But one of, we just recorded, we're recording out of order and we just did the Black Album. And after we did uh, Can't Stop the Hustle, which is the first song on Weezer's Black Album, Sam was like, what do you think about the first song? The first song on an any album is really important. My Name is Jonas has got to be gotta be one of the best first songs ever right yeah i mean that riff is iconic you can't beat this i feel like that style of electric guitar is like introduces weezer yeah, like this this is Weezer. See, for me, the go ahead. For me, this song is kind of different from the whole album. It is. It is different. You know I mean? mm-hmm. And then it like kicks it off. Yeah, it's like this song has to be first if it's going to be like. You're right. This song this, can't go anywhere yeah. except first. Do you think if you take out the beginning intro part, it could be different? Like, no. it, it, could no. it fit anywhere else? No, because you still have that like acoustic. Yeah, and like it's. And then they like go into like that ba 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 do 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 on this album, Rivers re-recorded. I did not know that. That's such a Brian Bell's not on this at all. He's just on the cover think, of photo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it, maybe he played on one song, but uh, it basically it was all Rivers uh, it, re-recorded. That's such a Dave Mustaine slash Dave Grohl Dave thing, Grohl. To, <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I've got a band, but uh, actually I can just do it on my own. Yeah, um, that may that makes me think too of. Um, I don't know. You, you might have seen this also, but uh, 
with him re-recording that part, I lost my train of thought. It's gone. We'll, uh, we'll have to come back to Bye. <laughs> yeah. I was texting my wife in the middle of that, and I got distracted. She said, my baby's not going down for a nap. But <laughs> I blew it. I blew it. So you were talking about how, what was it? Jason? Jacob Cropper? Jason Cropper. Cropper. Was kicked out. Um, I think you have this written down in your notes, but he... His girlfriend got pregnant. Yes, I do and, have that in my and notes. And then he started freaking out at the studio. And then apparently his girlfriend flew to, to New York City without a place to stay while they were recording. And Rivers was like, uh, that's, that's a step too far. <laughs> like, that's, we're, trying to, we're trying to make a masterpiece here. So, I mean, what, one thing that's so interesting to me about this album is, as far as I know, it's truly their debut. Like, I don't... Yeah, like Green Day had like two albums on, in, on an indie label before Dookie. Right. Like most bands break through, but they have some kind of demos or something. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, like this is Weezer's introduction to the world, and it's like ne- they've never topped it. And frankly, many bands have never topped it. I mean, it's a huge, mm-hmm. iconic album, down to the album col- cover, and the whole color idea. Mm-hmm. You're right about all that. Yeah, but the the Cropper thing that we do a theme about Mike's deep dive, where I do a little investigating into a certain thing that I read about, and basically we just covered it. But I'm glad I'd rather you do it than I do it. But yeah, so he uh, Cropper ends up marrying the girlfriend. They have a couple kids. They get divorced in like 2004 or five. And but he, do you remember the show uh, Andy Richter controls the universe? Do you remember who Andy Richter is? He was the co-host for the Conan O'Brien show. But Cropper did the theme song for that, so he didn't like fade into total obscurity. But that's what happened to him. But he, you know, he's kicked out of Weezer, and and then this album is this album. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he is sad probably that Um, he didn't get to. He he had a writing credit on this song. Yeah, for for that intro, right? Yeah, so he probably got some money on Mm -hmm. some level. Yeah, I don't know exactly how those royalties work. Like, because my name is Jonas is not wasn't released as a single. Strangely, no, but the but the album selling three million copies. Yeah, that probably gets you something. Now, so. one thing I'll say before you hit play on the, on no one else yeah. is I think it's interesting. I feel like the first three or four songs all roll into each other. Like yeah. There's not much of a pause. Yeah. In fact, maybe we just try this. Maybe we just... Here's the end of uh, My Name is Jonas into No One Else, which is track two. Whoops. Here, let me do it here. Oh, I've totally blown this. Here, we're going to go right... Here. Can I get more music and more, David? Is that better? Yeah. Jonas. (laughs) So I just noticed there's a harmonica at the end of that. Yeah is pretty cool. Oh, here it comes.
this song slaps. Dude, this is like an example of like his melodies that I was talking to you about. Yeah. We were talking about this a little bit last night. Rivers is like a master melody writer. We're like, and this is kind of a, David, before we were recording, we were talking about how Weezer influenced other bands. Most bands do not move their chord structures this much. There's a lot of chords in this song, and like the melody moves around it in unexpected ways. Like that's where he differs from like an Ozzy Osbourne was the example I used yesterday. Where like in Iron Man, he's just singing where the chords go, mm-hmm. or an Eddie Vedder, where he just like writes half note simple melodies over these chord structures. Like Rivers actually has like a lot of moving parts and I guess the best way to describe it as a guitar player is that usually when I'm trying to learn a song sometimes the singer's vocal lines will help me figure out what chord is actually being played with Weezer you cannot use Rivers vocal lines to help you at all because they're so they work together but they're so unexpected like where his vocal lines go in relation to the chord structures that the guitars are playing that it's just super unique. No other band that I try to learn their songs does it this way. And th- this song's a perfect example of it. But anyway, I really went off there. I'm, Anybody? A, I'm a drummer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I have to say about this song is this song makes me think of eighth grade so much. Because, we're, I mean, we're the, a 90s cover band pretty much works in nostalgia only. And... So we have to talk about like what it was like. Dude, we're at nostalgia. Up. We're at nostalgia. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, when I was in eighth grade, we went. I think a lot of schools go take like a DC trip with their middle schoolers, and we went to DC. And I listened to this a lot on the bus to DC. And I had a crush on this girl. And I, I'm not saying that like I associate like this song was like me singing about her. But I will always associate this song with one girl, oh, this girl in eighth grade that I kind of had this crush on. And I mean, the song is, I, I've been singing it all week. Like getting prepared for this podcast, like I can't get this song out of my head. So it's I, so good. I, I like how it's connected to the world has turned and left me here. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's the jealous boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh, it's over." Yeah, <laughs> which is, which is um, the the lyrics are super interesting. Like, I don't know that this song would be written today and received as well. Like, I want a girl who will laugh for no one else, and when I leave, she puts her makeup away, <laughs> and she never leaves the house. Like, it's kind of funny. I think he, I think he's almost joking. I hope so. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I think he is joking because in the next song, he's like, "Oh." It's over. Like, that, <laughs> didn't, that didn't work so well. Should we go to that one now? We'll play the end of No One Else and go right into it. Here we go.
So I think this song is my favorite, partly because of the drum track. Oh, like really? A, I was thinking about why it's my favorite. I yeah. like the drum track a lot on this song. And I also like how the acoustic kind of works with the power chords or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So. You've hit on two major things I wanted to talk about. One, that I feel like even for people who aren't drummers, like I remember my friends liking this song the best, which I don't dislike this song, but I don't, I, it's not my favorite. Like it's, it's fine, which is like my phrase on this podcast. It's fine, but I don't dislike it, but it's not my favorite. But the, the real thing you touched on is how Weezer, I don't know that they innovated this, but they definitely made it much more common in modern rock recording, is having an acoustic guitar playing underneath distorted electric mm. guitars. Like, what that does, it fattens up the sound without actually sounding like, a, you know, a ballad. Typically, the acoustic yeah. guitar, I guess, would be more associated with softer songs. But when you just have that, you get a lot of texture from the sound of hitting acoustic strings. So even when I, when my college band recorded their album, the producer was like, you should just play an acoustic guitar underneath it. You'll barely hear it. But what you will hear is like the pick hitting the strings, and it like fattens out the attack of it. Weezer does that all the time, and you can really hear it in this song. And... As far as I can tell, they were the first really popular rock band that I know, knew of that was doing that. Hmm. Well, I will say, I think for their generation, that's true. And I don't, like, I have huge gaps in my knowledge. I know, like, Edge does that on Joshua Tree. Okay. And Pete Townsend of The Who would do mm. that. But that's, like, you know, 25 years before. Right. So I think when they, when Weezer came out with this uh, in the wake of, like, Nevermind and Dookie. Like, I don't think, and I don't even, does Pearl Jam do that? No. So. No, not in their th- earlier stuff. So I think anyway. that's why it kind of sticks out. Like, this album, using harmonica, keyboards, um, acoustic guitars, I don't think any of the grunge, pop punk, whatever bands of their generation were really doing that. Right. Th- this song in particular does another weird thing. Like, not to get too technical here, but most when you're playing guitar chords uh, a true chord is made up of three notes and and typically when when you're playing rock music you're a, a usual power chord is made from the root of the chord and the fifth of the chord um, which the numbers relate to the scale that you're playing in I'm not going to explain this perfectly but the point is that in this song, instead of the root and the fifth, Weezer plays the root and the third and the perfect fourth below the root. Okay, so what what that does is it clumps it clumps the notes closer together. A root and a five, a root is the same as the one. So the one and the five are farther apart, obviously, than the one and the three. Though putting those two close together makes it like a really dissonant and chunky and like fat sound that nobody does. Nobody does that. And it's really unique and it really works for a lot of these songs. And all these songs are tuned down a half step. So it's already like kind of dark, but this is not like a brooding dark band either. So it's just a really interesting kind way to <coughs> write a messes song. messes with your head. It does. It does a little bit. Um, so I just had to say that that's the last I think that I'll get technical about any of this, but it's really a weird thing that they do. So I wonder what you would say about this, which is that I read that 
Matt Sharp worked with Rivers, and they they wanted to make the guitar and the bass like one ten string instrument, and like work together in that oh. way, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, um, and I also read that they used the bridge guitar pickups to get like a different sound. Yeah, yeah. I'm a drummer. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, well, th- that means you've got. You usually have a bridge pickup and a neck pickup, and the the neck pickup is typically the the bridge is where the strings attach to the bottom of the guitar. So the strings are tighter there. Obviously, in the middle, they're a little looser. So the neck pickups generally sound lower, more bass, because the strings can vibrate more. And near the near the bridge, they're tighter, and so they're twangier. So what you could do, if you're going to put low notes really close together, like I just said, you could probably play a bridge pickup and give it a little, like, clarity to that as opposed to making it all... Because the reason I think a lot of bands don't utilize that, you know, chord structure is because it gets kind of muddy. Yeah. So you could mitigate that, I suppose, by using a bridge pickup instead. Um this is like a master class right now is what we're doing here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hadn't heard that. And, I, and I'm not sure how that would work, but without talking to Matt Sharp personally. But it kind of makes sense from what you're – certainly the pickup part makes sense. Did you have any other part of this song that you wanted to cover? Uh, well, I will say – can I say something about Buddy Holly? You can say whatever the hell you want. I will say that uh, Buddy Holly, the song, was released as a single on his 58th birthday, like the actual Buddy Holly. Who, oh. So I thought that was cool. Um, I mean, I remember reading that a long time ago. And I also feel like, I mean, a, a lot of rock and roll people love Buddy Holly, but I feel like it's really cool that they were able to, like, memorialize him in this way, especially, like, Rivers is kind of the rock and roll nerd which is what Buddy Holly was. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, here it is. You probably know this one. You play it from the beginning again. Just like, actually play the end of that one song. Started a, oh, okay. Because I love how it just goes in there. It's just like. all know that song yep i don't really have anything to say about it it's just it's, it's kind of metal yeah like especially at the beginning yeah 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 i mean it's a banger yeah. weezer, weezer has like a light metal influence yeah i feel like well, rivers is kind of like a little bit of a metal head yeah you know? yeah which we'll probably get to in uh in the garage uh probably yes <laughs> um so here's a maybe a controversial one a lot of people know undone they know it as the sweater song. Oh. Should we just? Hey man, should we? You want to get a drink? <laughs> hey man, people hey, my won't shoe, know. My shoe needs tied. What's part of the song and what's part of the? As podcast? Weezer fans, do you guys like this song? Are you going to the party? 
Hey As man. Weezer fans, do I like this song? Yeah. I don't know. I'm it's, so stoked. It's, it's, <laughs> it's probably my least favorite um, yeah. on the album, but like, there's really nothing wrong with it. Do they play this live? They do. Yeah. Yeah. Do they do all the like, hey man. I can't remember. Nice haircut. <laughs> <laughs> um, I This song, I don't know. I used to hear it a lot, uh, so... Um, when Evan and I first started like playing music together, we were in sixth grade, and Evan was like a big Metallica guy, and I was like a big Green Day guy, and he would listen to the Blitz all the time. Yeah, and they would play this song on the Blitz, like religiously. Huh? I've never understood how this was like a popular single. Yeah. Um, compared to some other songs on the album, but other than maybe people just thought it was so weird, it's kind of silly, and it was worth listening to. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's more famous or well-known than like anything on Pinkerton. Yeah, it definitely. Which is pretty wild considering very. it's like a very goofy yes. song about a sweater. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, so yeah, that's Undone. You probably know this song too if you're listening. So the next song is another kind of like controversial one sort of for me. This is Surflex America. I'm going to take a leak while this plays. Just so you all know. Bye. Get more fireball. (laughs) That Mike guy. (laughs) That Mike guy. Man, he should start a band called the Wet Bandits. Dude, I can't hear you. You can't hear me at all? (laughs) Do you like this? quarter notes on the bass drum um i do so that's one thing i would say about the weezer drums and part of why i answered the craigslist ad to play in a weezer band um because it's so straightforward and he basically does quarter notes on the snare and bass drum yeah he kind of plays like in a goofy way you know what i mean it is goofy but it's sweet there's nothing you change yeah it's just like his own way of playing yeah and he like he does enough fills and cool things like he he does enough cool things and fills that um like he's so subtle you don't even notice them yeah but then when you really listen to the drums you're like wow this like this is very tasteful there's nothing i would change about anything he does like the, the subtle fills like yeah like there's a fill at the end of the world has left turned and left me here that's really cool um, like tired of sex on Pinkerton. I mean, I, all of his drums are perfect, but it like almost doesn't make sense how they're so perfect because they're like there's nothing there. Yeah, um, dude, who are your top like five favorite drummers? Um, well, that's really hard to <laughs> answer. I mean, I like all of the famous ones who everyone talks about. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you go back to the '60s, I love the Motown guys. I love Ringo. Um, I love Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys. I love Mitch Mitchell with Hendrix, uh-huh. Keith Moon with The Who. Um, I like John Bottom a lot. He gets, he's, I, I would not, overrated is not the word, but like he's so worshipped. Uh-huh. Um, where like for me, he's just like another great drummer who I love. I, th- I think it's more of his sound too. Very like, strong you know, sound. Yeah. That's like, he's amazing. people try to sound like him too, not like play like him, sound yeah, yeah. Well, and like the Stairway to Heaven fills iconic. Yeah. Uh, 
So, I mean, as a kid, I had phases learning all these guys. Um, Ginger Baker from Cream. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forwarding to, like, the 90s. I mean, I really like Trey Cool from Green Day. Yeah, he's good. He's really solid. I like the things he does on his cymbals. Um, I, I mean, Chad Smith's really solid. Yeah, he's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, he's uh, he plays on a Dixie Chicks album, their last album. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, t- like, Taking the Long Way at one Grammys because uh, it was, like, their album after the protest against them. And he plays drums on it, and it's, like, really solid, like, rock slash country. I'll have to check that out, man. It's really cool because, like, it's it's just nice to hear him in a different context mm-hmm. than the Chili Peppers. And I know he's played with a lot of different... I heard he plays on the new Ozzy. Really? Yeah. With uh, Duff McKagan. Wow. Yeah. I think, and I think Elton John guessed Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, Chad Smith's great. So, I mean, I just like, I like pocket drummers. I, also, I mean, I same. like Neil Peart passed away. Way. Neil Peart's a hero. I like the crazy fills and stuff. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, if you can play, like, I, I respect. Um, yeah, definitely. Is it Pat Wilson, the Weezer drummer? Mm-hmm. And, like, he started playing guitar, and they brought in, um, uh, of course, I can't think of his name. They brought in this big session guy who's played with a ton of people. Um, who's really great drummer while Pat Wilson plays guitar. But I'm like, dude, you're an awesome drummer. Like, why are you playing guitar? Like, guitar's not even an instrument. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, you're listening to Modern Drummer Podcast. (laughs) Dude, what kind of cymbals do you play with? (laughs) Zildjian. Dude, he's good. I I gotta know. Yeah, he is. Well, that's what Sam was saying. Like, what do I think about the quarter notes on the bass drum? And I was saying, like, that's part of the reason I answered your Weezer ad is because, like, you you don't have to think of, like, these songs are not complicated to yeah. play. Um, but yet the complexity is, like, in the simplicity. Yeah. Which is really nice. Yeah, sometimes it's harder to play like this than it is, like, with Crazy Pills. Absolutely. I totally agree. Dude, we're, I'm going to post this link on our Facebook, but there is a hilarious... Well, I think it's hilarious. Patrick Wilson video from The Tonight Show when Jay Leno was the host. This happened between uh, Pinkerton and the Green album, I think. I think I got those dates right. It's either between Pinkerton and Green or Blue and Pinkerton. But Jay Leno used to do this thing where he would go to people's houses and be like, Hey, I'm Jay Leno. You know, it's funny (laughs) because the people are like surprised Uh that it's a famous person at their door. But he somehow ended up at Patrick Wilson's door. Really? And he was like, Hey, I'm Jay Leno and uh, blah, 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 blah. Can we come in? And Patrick Wilson's like, yeah, come in. He's like, Jay's like, oh, I'm Jay Leno, and Patrick Wilson's like, yeah, I know, I, I'm in a band in, called Weezer. We, I think we were almost on your show, and Jay Leno <laughs> like clearly didn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> then they dress him up in an Elvis outfit, and he does an Elvis impression. But that is anyway, interesting. We'll post that. I've got the YouTube link, but it's good stuff. Uh, so, Surfax America is another like cult favorite. I think they play it. I've seen Weezer four or five times, and they've played it last maybe two or three of those. Oh, wow. And I'm just, like, okay with Surf Wax America. The little bit at the in the middle where the... Uh, the quiet part. The quiet part is kind of different and fun, but I, I've i never been like, oh, let me skip to Surf Wax. Mm. That's not, like, my favorite That's one. That's not your morning alarm. No. Um, 
the third uh, this third single that we're going to cover is Say It Ain't So. Iconic, right? This is like probably the most famous song on the album. Is it? You think it probably is. Or, or, Buddy, Holly. or Buddy Holly, either one. But um, for me, like I've heard it so many times, it just doesn't necessarily move me in the same way that it did. I'm with you. Um, I think it was on Rock Band or Guitar yeah, Hero. Rock Band. <laughs> that was fun. Good chorus. You can tell that this is a later pressing of the album. Do you want to know how you can tell? How? Let me, let me go back to the chorus. Or the beat. Did you hear the guitar feedback there for just a second? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was not in the original pressing. Huh. The first 1.4 million albums or whatever, they, they muted the guitars like manually on the board so you couldn't hear those that feedback. And when they released Say It Ain't So as a single, the band wanted that put back in. So the first the first pressing, and, th- and then every ad- ad- additional pressing of the album after that, they put the single version on it. So this is more recent because you can hear the guitar feedback there. But in the original pressings, you couldn't hear any feedback for the first chorus. Is that I called? like the feedback, man. I, I do, do too. too. Yeah. What were you going to say? Is that is called? Is that an Easter egg? That is an <laughs> Easter egg, I think. I <laughs> think that is an Easter egg. That's um, really cool. Yes. So I will say, I will say the Fairweathered played, we've been playing Buddy Holly since like, I don't know, whenever we started. Yeah. Um, but we didn't. We always talked about adding another one. Well, actually, we played Hashpipe for a while. Mm-hmm. But one time we played it and like ten people left. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy Holly or no, Hashpipe? Oh. No, not Buddy Holly. No, we they we played Buddy Holly and they were like amped up and we're like let's do Hashpipe and then we did Hashpipe and they're like left. get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after Kevin filled in with you guys, um, we we ended up learning Say It Ain't So, and. Uh, I mean, that's hard to beat those songs. Yeah, people like it. I'm Mm -hmm. with you, though, kind of. I'm not in love. Like, I could skip it at this point. Right, right. Well, and then when you play them live in a band, like Buddy Holly, when I hear it now, I hear us playing at Park (laughs) Street, (laughs) 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 which is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, I actually, I I don't know, with saying so, I don't know if it's that I've, played it a lot or because I had played this in my original high school band too but so I have played it a lot I suppose but I agree with you that it loses like a little luster or something but I don't know it's it's a cool song the other thing about it is that I feel like no other band could do that song 
like no other band is writing a song like Sadie. So with that beginning where the the it's not distortion like typical guitar distortion, but it's like it sounds like you're hearing it through a telephone. Yeah, it has a that sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's different. But the eighth song is in the garage. What a perfect shitty harmonica. Yeah, I like the harmonica. <laughs> yes, it's kind of throughout the album. Same thing with those guitar chords that are really with the third interval instead of the fifth here. That guitar tone is ridiculous, like in a good way. Dude, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this band called Jeff the Brotherhood. I've heard of them. So, like, I thought they were, like, completely original. Now (laughs) they sound like Weezer. No, really? Yeah. (laughs) Weezer was completely original. Ser- yeah, like they sound like like the muddy chords. Yeah, you know. I got to skip ahead to what was my favorite part when I was in eighth grade. I got electric guitar. I got electric guitar. And that bass tone. Right. I didn't know when I was in eighth grade that that was a bass. I just thought it was a cool effect to put on a guitar because he said I got electric guitar. And then the focus is the bass, which is weird. But this song slaps too. I mean, that's kind of repetitive. They all are good. No, they are. They are. Um, I feel like that bass tone and, and the guitar, but I feel like they kind of took that and, and really fleshed it out on Pinkerton. Yeah. Like everything just got dirtier. Mm-hmm. Yes. And part of that, I think, is probably them self-producing Pinkerton, which they were supposed to do on this one, too. But, but Geffen, David uh, Geffen's uh, the studio was like, nah, you got to have a producer. So they got to choose Rick Ocasek, I guess, but they still had to have one. I do like the lyrics on this song. Oh, me too. Like, as a music nerd and growing up, I could totally relate to, like, let's get to the basement, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Let's rock out. Um. If any song on here is underrated, is underrated, is it Holiday? It sounds like classic rock, kind of. I read all the guitars are downstroke. Oh, really? Strumming? Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd believe it. That's pretty um, wild. That is unusual. But it kind of fits with this style of music, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, it, well, it makes it their own. Uh-huh. All these little unique things. I, I would think that some parts of Say It Ain't So would be hard to play all downstroked. But I mean maybe, that doesn't maybe not the solo. That doesn't maybe mean they meant rhythm. That's actually what I mean too, um, like because you know during the verse it's all off beats and typically like when you play off beats you stroke up because right. you just want to make your hand like a pendulum. But that doesn't mean it's no. Like I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. Sweet song. Um, I think the signature part of this song is probably the round, right? Which is coming up. 
I guess it's not technically a round. What do you call it? Like that? acapella part? Yeah. We shouldn't ruin it by you know that joke where they're like, who sings this song, Weezer? Well, let them do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, no one, I mean, again, no other 90s bands were doing any of these things. No. You're not going to hear that on Nirvana or Foo Fighters. <laughs> <or> <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> so the last song on here is Only in Dreams, which is eight minutes long. And it's like, how do you decide what parts to play? You got, uh, I'm already thinking ahead to this year's Bandy Awards, or, uh-huh. you know, like bass, like we always do, uh, I don't know what we call it, but it's, it equates to the best bass riff. Like this is going to be a contender, you know? I mean, we got a tool yeah. album to work <laughs> with too, but, but this is more iconic than any tool bass line. Yeah, I'm trying to think, but yeah, I can't. Or dude, chili. Pepper. Oh yeah, we got flea <laughs> yeah. to contend with. There's a lot of good bass lines that are gonna be. We're gonna have to have like official nominations and yeah. stuff. But um, so this song, when it gets to the electric guitar, I feel like the chords are really weird, and I yeah. wondered if you could say anything about that. Well, I didn't. I don't know. Let me skip to it because I did this kind of uncomfortable here. I have to admit, I've I don't remember. I've probably learned it how to play it, but I don't remember how. And I, I don't hear anything there that's like really. I just think it's a cool like turnaround. Oh, it's or so good. It it's the same it's thing. Wild. It's the same thing we were talking about with no one else. Where like the melody in the vocal line doesn't seem to match the chord progression, but yeah. it does. Like it's, it's, this song is a masterpiece. This is the kind of song that in college, once we were hammered drunk <laughs> and we just wanted to like end the night hugging each other and in, in, in a circle. It's kind of like city hall. Yeah. Like that vibe. It's yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Like it is undoubtedly. Sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a great way to wrap up anything. Like, oh, what are you doing? Wrapping up a party? <laughs> Wrapping up a CD? Wrapping up a wedding? Like, what are you doing? Whatever it is, I'm drunk. and uh, Yeah, whatever it is, I'm <laughs> yeah, hammered. I'm hammered, and it's, uh, it's great. There's a long build at the end that I don't think we can go through the whole thing. It's but like like, obnoxiously long. It is obnoxious. I remember when we played it, we're all staring at each other like, yeah. what? <laughs> when no. do we go to the next yeah. part? No, no, wait, man, wait, like another minute. <laughs> Yeah, it's really long. Like, it's going to go on for another minute. But it's really... The payoff is good. The payoff is good. It's a great way to close the album. Which, you know, we talked about the the first song on the album being so important. And we also feel like the last song is really important. And Weezer, in the future, will 
in my opinion, kind of struggle with the last song sometimes. I'm not as big of a fan as some of their closers, but this one is so good. I forgot how good this CD was. You're going to listen to it? Oh, yeah, a lot. We'll listen again. Five stars, <laughs> we'll listen again. Um, but one thing I forgot, I meant to ask you, because actually my wife asked me this, does Weezer rock? Yeah. Yeah, they rock? Because she wasn't sure, and I have this little rarities disc, right, um, that has some B-sides and some from, from this album. And I have definitive proof that Weezer does rock, okay? <laughs> so here is My Name is Jonas live from some club in New York in 1994, okay? So check this out if you've never heard this before. It, this is so good. You can basically hear the crowd talking more than you can hear the band, but you can tell it effing rocks. It'll start eventually. Yeah, that rocks. Right? Thanks for all you showed us. This is how we feel. Like, it's so big. Uh-huh. It's so heavy. big. Um, that's what she said. What? <laughs> um, okay, so you gotta also hear the end. The end is just so strong. Um, gosh, this is gonna end up being us listening to this for two minutes, so I hope I'm you guys down. are ready. Harmonies. Wait for it. We're doing something different there. Dude. So would you rather go see Weezer, like when they first came out, or like Nirvana? I mean Nirvana. Or like, <laughs> it, like what are like the top three bands you could go see in the 90s? You mean like, am I seeing Weezer in 1994? Yeah, yeah. It's still Nirvana because uh, they're more of like a cultural yeah. phenomenon, right? But or Soundgarden. Yeah. I mean, Alice in Chains. Yeah, <laughs> but, but really, really, that's going to boil down to like naming. Well, no, it's not boiling down to my favorite bands because I like Weezer more than Nirvana. What I will say is the difference between Weezer playing that live now or on the record is so different. Like yeah. that, that sound that they have there is so like thunder. I mean, it just it's in a club like the PA yes. is about to be blown. Right. You know, like yes. 
but it, that part at the end that we just played through, like it just keeps getting bigger. Uh-huh. You know, like the very end is the the climax of it, where it's like, like the chords are so huge, like. I don't know how they do that with just two guitar players and a bass player and a drummer. There's, there's an energy that these bands lose after like 20 years of success, yeah. and mm-hmm. like you can't capture that first three years of yeah. Or they they add more. They're playing at bigger places. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. The egos get involved. Uh, <laughs> they've got colored M and M's on yeah. the rider. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted you to hear one other thing too. This is Surfwax America from the same club gig, and this—it's just pretty funny, illustrating that you can really hear the crowd talking, almost over the band here. Let me line it up to about the right point. This is during the soft part where they're—you take your car to work. <laughs> How do you surf to work? I don't know. <laughs> Harmonies are not very tight here, but I kind of like it. You can hear people like having a conversation. Now I can picture the Weezer cover band, man. Like people right. would go out, they hear this. Yeah. You know, like. Now listen to this part. <laughs> Guy really wants you to know smoke dope! Smoke dope! <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Pretty raw recording. But oh my gosh, it. I've been listening to that. I've been listening to My Name Is Jonas over and over. Do you have like a whole album of that, or just a couple tracks? Or? Um, the there's only like three or four live tracks, and and a couple of them are just acoustic versions. Like there's an acoustic version of No One Else. Oh, I've got it right here, um, which isn't. It's good. It's not as fulfilling. Though. Is this the deluxe? My yeah. Girl's got a big mouth. It's fine. I like. I prefer. I don't know, I don't know if the, that song would be as well received now. And no. I also think Pinkerton as a whole, lyrically, like there's some shocking lyrics on there. There, yes, there is. I don't. I don't know if it would still be received in the same way. I think people would just, yeah, not I, be okay with that. I agree with you. Um, we're gonna do this now, even though we're not doing a Pinkerton episode. We got to do this. Pinkerton was released on September 24th, 1996. The number one song on the Billboard 200 was, of course, the Macarena, as we've been over, just ruling 1996. We should cover that. I've, I've tried to get us to cover that, <laughs> and they all are like, no way. Dude, I think it would hit. Yeah, <laughs> you got to do the dance. Yeah. Right? yeah. Remember when I was saying that when I brought this up, you would, I would say that it was kind of like a golden age, like we missed out. So the number one mainstream rock song was Burden in My Hand from Soundgarden, and the number one album was No Code from Pearl Jam. Hmm. And if you look through the number one albums from 1996, there's so much variety and so much stuff that's actually pretty cool. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, which is more like R&B, and like um, Mariah Carey had an album in the early part of 96. And then you've got... Pearl Jam and Soundgarden like you had a real variety and you had real like authentic music groups in 1996 even though that's like the tail end of this era it's still cool to look back and be like oh that stuff was really popular well and you you mentioned like Pink Floyd I mean you still had Eric Clapton mm-hmm. Elton John Paul McCartney all these people on the charts which I think is kind of interesting yeah and, and in, in the same way in the 60s, you had, like, Sinatra and Louis Armstrong on the charts with all these new rock groups. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Which I don't. I just don't think there's as much variety these days. Holy shit! We forgot to do cover cut. Hit yeah, dude, I was going to say that's really important. Uh, I was going to say. Okay, so uh, you were wrong. I if we were gonna if the Wet Bandits were to cover a song <laughs> from the Blue Album, what would it be? <laughs> I would pick Buddy Holly, even though we already cover "Say It Ain't So." Yeah, I, I like Buddy Holly. Yeah, you guys should. <laughs> I mean, we we play it, and I almost feel like we play "Mr. Brightside" by the Killers, and that. Uh, song obviously like somehow like it was popular when it came out mm-hmm. but it's like gotten more popular over time for some whatever yeah, strange yeah. Mm-hmm. like I, it do, I don't understand how songs do that because I'm like that was already a hit um, Buddy Holly feels like a song like that from the 90s where it's like yeah has it has a life of its own yeah that's true and what? like white people just go crazy <laughs> they sure do <laughs> they lose their shit what impacts harder Buddy Holly or say it ain't so um well, we played Buddy Holly a lot longer. Buddy Holly has such an upbeat thing, but we've been playing them back to back. We so we started clumping a lot of bands back to back, which we I do think the same thing. Yeah, I think that has a certain power. Like we did that with Blink, One Eighty Two. We did that with the Beatles, and I think there's a certain element of like if you're already in the zone for a band for like two and a half to five minutes, why you're not? Like, why oh, not keep going? Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh shit. Josh, doing my other favorite song. Yeah. Josh likes to say, I like that Tom Petty song <laughs> so much, I'm going to play another one. That's how we roll <laughs> I like that Matchbox 20 song so, so much. much. And then sometimes I'll be like, how much? <laughs> it's good, too, because then if someone's like, play another Weezer song, you're like, we already played two, go. <laughs> All right, here's the tough one, though. When you get a classic album, you got to cut a song. you got to remove a song from the album. What's it mm. going to be? I don't mind saying mine first because I know Dave is not going to say the same one. I would cut <laughs> The World Has Turned. That's crazy. I know. That's crazy to But me. it's just like my least favorite. Like What, what number is that? That's three. It has like Play the it acu- real quick. The acoustic guitar going. That's this one. I would cut this one too. That's, We're, that's horrible. That's David's fave. It really is. That's my favorite song. What would you cut if you had to cut one? Um... I mean, probably the sweater song. Oh, that's a pretty good call. But I could see, like, they're all strong in their own way, but, like, Surf Wax, America, um, Holiday, neither of those are, like, super crazy cool to me. I like them. I like them all. Let's be honest. This is a very strong album. I'd cut Sweater Song, too. You're right. Yeah. The end of World Has Turned is strong enough for me. that I'd cut Sweater Song, too. I do not care at all about the Sweater Song. <laughs> I care a little bit. It's such a novelty, and I think the novelty yeah. factor is why it's popular, because it's yeah. so bizarre yep. that it's memorable. I mean, it's not a horrible song. No, it's, it's just fu- it's good. absolutely strange. See, for me, yeah. that song is what makes Weezer Weezer. It's like they're just. It's like yeah. literally a dude got his yeah. sweater stuck on a nail yeah. and it's coming undone. Yeah. And he has a song about it. I still yeah. can't get my head around that. Yeah. I don't know. You, you a, guys are the experts, man. That's right. And w- we're saying undone. Because you convinced me, David. And lastly, Hidden Gem. The one we think is the best song that's not a single. So you can't pick Buddy Holly, you can't pick Undone, and you can't pick Sadie and So. You already know mine. The world is. Oh, right, obviously. Is number two a single? It's not. No, no one else. That's the one for me, too. I love no one else. It's a close second. Although, how can you not pick My Name is Jonas? Like, My Name is Jonas is almost like a single just by 
recognition. Like yeah. I think people know that song, even though it wasn't really on the radio. So uh, after one of our shows at the Walrus, John was like, "We should do sweater song." And I just like ignored him. <laughs> <laughs> but in my head, I was like, dude, if we're going to do another Weezer song, uh, other than like Island in the Sun, which I think would be yeah. popular, yeah. Uh, My Name is Jonas would be sweet. I think My Name is Jonas would be a good song for the Wet Bandits also. I, I, mean, would, I would be Think down. about opening a set with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got to sound just like we heard it live yeah. from 1994. It's got to be that big. Oh, it would rock. Yeah. You're just like me. You get pumped up about the idea of covering songs. Oh, yeah. Even if it doesn't happen for a oh, couple yeah. years. For sure. Um, okay. Can we say a little bit about Pinkerton? We Yeah, we should. I just want to, like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like Matt Sharp is such a big part of the band, and mm-hmm. I like Green Album. But like this, this is gonna sound really bad to say, but it, but I would say these first two albums are like five out of five. I would say Green Album is like maybe a three and a half out of five or a four out of five for me. Yeah, and I don't think they ever fully recaptured like their mojo. I think that's a pretty uh, common like I and accurate that like Matt Sharp, if you don't know, is the bass player, the original bass player who left after Pinkerton. And the band is clearly different after Pinkerton. Um, you know, we just got re- done recording the Black Album episode, and, and they do... Rivers will write songs about how he wishes people would just get over it, and, like, they're not the same band anymore. Why do you keep asking us to write a Pinkerton again? You know, and I, and I understand... I understand both sides. Like... They're, they're different people now. Like, they can't rewrite Pinkerton. But also, is there any... I was thinking about this the other day. Is there any legitimacy to the idea that... Like, let's say Matt Sharp stays in the band and they make a third album together. Does Pinkerton, like, lose some magic if they're able to kind of do it again? I think if he was on Green Album, it would have a little bit more of an edge. Yeah. I feel like Green Album is really pretty good. Yeah. But there's like there's a bit of an edge missing yeah. that Blue Album had. And I feel like there's also like a weak track or two. I haven't listened to that in a little while. There is a there are a couple weak a ones. A couple weak ones. Whereas I feel like plus like on Pinkerton, and I think this is because they self produce, like you said. Yeah. But like, dude, his bass is like off the hook. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. Like dude. it's distorted. It's heavy. They're like blowing the speakers out in the studio in Pinkerton. Yeah. Dude, like I didn't listen to that album until Mike we did it on the podcast and I was like, damn, this shit is good. Yeah. Cause you think of Weezer like in that one direction, then they completely go like a different one kind of. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just more like experimental because they had that like hot popularity, I assume. And then they choose yeah. to do something that's like not, I guess it's uh, like a safe. reaction to their yeah. success. It's and like the it's the greatest sounding demo record of all time. <laughs> like it's so it's so big and the songs are so perfect and it's it by most people's standards like kind of sounds like shit, you know. In but a way. It, but it's but it sounds exactly but not, like it's but supposed like, to sound. Still not in a punk way, but in like yeah. a power pop. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's an incredible record, I think, and it's very honest. Yeah. Almost too honest. It's kind of disturbing when you really listen to the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also, like, something in that that I think a lot of people could relate to. And I think Blue Album has really honest lyrics, too. I mean, uh, he's just not quite as, like, out of control. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> well, fame will do that to you, I suppose. And I, I wonder what you thought about my idea. I was saying how I think Dookie was like so huge, and then Insomniac was kind of like they're like smoking meth. Which I, I think people meth? people forget. Yeah, like Green Day had at least one or two songs about meth on Insomniac, <laughs> and like people don't think of that now. They think of like I don't know. They're you yeah. know they're like popular American rock band. Yeah, but. Um, in the same way that like Insomniac was kind of like this crazy reaction to selling a million copies, I feel like Pinkerton is too, and I don't know if we, you thought about that. I, I have, I generally agree with your point. the The difference I have with Insom because Insomniac has not become like the cult favorite. Like Pinkerton, no. if you ask people who know Weezer, like what's your favorite album, a lot of them just default to Pinkerton. Yeah, because you. It's well known enough that people know they're supposed to like it. And Insomniac is still kind of like the missing Green Day album. You know, people know Dookie and they know Nimrod because of Good Riddance. And, right. And, but, and they know American Idiot and the things that came after. But like Insomniac, people forget about. And I think, I mean, I don't really know, but I think that Dookie, com- Dookie was cultural phenomenon that was actually probably bigger than the Blue Album. And, yeah, it and, was. And I compare that sort of to, um, if you're familiar with uh, NFL football and video games, like the Madden games, there's this like, there's this thing called the Madden curse, where like, you know, if you are a player on the cover of the Madden game, you inevitably get hurt or you have a bad year. It's like you're cursed. Well, if you think about this, like the reason you get on the Madden cover is because you have a fantastic year the year before. Yeah. So if you have a the best year of your career, obviously you can't have the best year of your career twice. Every year. And and so of course the odds are already stacked against you and in, in a game like football your people get hurt half the half the time anyway. So like yeah. that's not a curse, that's just like how it works. If you do the best you can do, the likelihood that your follow-up is going to be better is very unlikely. So that's how I always felt about Insomniac. It's like you come out with Dookie, which is a masterpiece and a cultural phenomenon, and then you do Insomniac, which is just good, like to the average person. Like I, I'm actually kind of an Insomniac fan. Yeah. Um, but, but I also understand but I, well, why. I feel like they doubled down on the crazy punk sound. And then yeah. the same way that Weezer here doubled down on like the crazy... Like uncut Weezer, yeah, and unproduced, right? And maybe the problem was that that Green Day was already too close to something people. Green Day like walked the line between punk and 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 true punk and pop, yeah. And like when you do Insomniac, that like crosses over a little too punky. Like people aren't into it. Whereas Weezer Blue album is very accessible. It's unique and weird, but like it's a, it's poppy. And then they cross over a little bit, and Pinkerton's still accessible. I don't. This is the first I've thought of it, but it's interesting. Well, it's interesting too that Pinkerton, like, went gold uh, and it went platinum in like 2008 or something. So it took a long time. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much more you want to say about these things, but say what you well, want. Well, I feel like I feel like if you look at record sales from the 90s, like, Nevermind sold whatever it is, 25 million or something. Yeah. Dookie sold like 20 million. 
Crack for Review from Hootie is like yeah. 18 or something. Uh, 10 by Pearl Jam. Yeah. I think sold a million, uh, cabillion. V- versus sold a million in a week when yeah, their yeah. second album came out. Like Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. Um, but the Blue Album by Weezer, which I think in almost any way is as well-known and remembered, only sold 3 million copies. Yeah. Which is inter. I just think that's very strange. It's definitely more of a cult following type thing, where like everybody knows who Weezer is. It's yeah. like familiar with the idea of Weezer, but like people didn't buy the album or it's something. In- it's interesting to me. Yeah, like they've they've never had a huge. I guess you could say the Green album was like their huge comeback. Yeah. But like other than that, they've always been in the mainstream enough with a single or something. Yeah. Whether it's like Africa. Or right. whether it's the they've had like stay five relevant, comebacks, like <laughs> pork and beans, yeah. But they, ha- but they haven't had like a huge album, no, straight through. You're right. That's anywhere near the level of these first two, yeah. Or maybe green on some level. So it's just interesting to me. Mm-hmm. What, what about the one with uh, Beverly Hills? Well, that's it. Like that it was seems like hit. everything is a comeback. Yeah. Like Hash Pipe was the comeback song. Yeah. And then Beverly Hills was kind of, and then pork and beans, and then. Uh, I don't know if you want me to, but I, yeah, if, I if want you, want you to. Me to and then, like, everything kind of feels like a comeback because people keep waiting for them to do Pinkerton again. And it's just, it's not going to happen. You know, it's... A well, Pinkerton yeah, lightning doesn't strike like that. Very. I mean, Green Day got very lucky that American Idiot somehow... They, that was a real Because, like, Nimrod didn't, you know... Good Riddance is a big song. Yeah. Brain Stew is a big song, like, on right. some level, but... Yeah. But... You know, most bands aren't going to have... I don't know if Pearl Jam ever really had a... They've had a lot of success afterwards. I'm yeah, not, you know, but they're but not the same. It's hard to mm-hmm. catch that magic. Yep. Oh, um, man. Good times. I like comeback albums. Me too. That's Magnetic. Yeah, that's a good comeback album. Rise of the Phoenix. But Ameri- Yeah. American Idiot is such a good... Like, yeah. That was like, oh, people who never knew Green Day before like Green Day now. Yeah. That's what that's what Weezer hasn't had is the album that comes out and people that weren't already Weezer fans are like, oh, I'm into this. You know, yeah. Maybe the Teal album is kind of that, but that's not their own music. So They've had like songs. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too uh, for Pinkerton, the, the amount of influence that it had. Uh, like I feel like Jimmy World, a lot of these kind of Warped Tour oh, yeah. emo bands. Oh. I even think like Blink-182 had a little bit of an influence. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone could escape the influence of Weezer, mm-hmm. who grew up in that time. So. Yeah. I've never seen them in concert. What? I've, I've had like five missed opportunities. I yeah. think I might have told you this. And probably. Yeah. I they, probably told you I saw them on the Pinkerton tour. Wow. And literally lost my shoe in the. Where was it? Uh, at the Newport. Wow. And by the way, I'm going to post this on our social media too. Wow, that's Weezer, Weezer, like two or three years ago, posted an article from a writer for the Dispatch that reviewed that uh, concert and basically was like, Weezer sucks. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that they uh, keep that stuff in their back pocket to like call people out later. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so I'll post that too. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well,. I, tried, I stalked that guy on social media, too, to see if I could find him and, like, tell him to eat <laughs> shit, but I, I couldn't find him, so. Dude, let's just like go dude. into the dispatch and be like, where is he? <laughs> where is he? He doesn't work there anymore. Where did he go? Where did he go? We need <laughs> to find him. Hey, 
Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Five stars but only. But five stars only. You should rate. No, you subscribe first. If you haven't, if you've listened, this is like an hour and 15 minute episode. If you haven't subscribed already, you can eat shit. Second, five stars only. Third, write a review. Yeah. David, thank you. Wait, do you yeah, like? Thank you guys. Oh my God. Stop pause. the record. Stop <laughs> it. What do we say? What do we say? We do a bit, a do you lie bit. Where we he's ask. like he's starting to sweat. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm starting <laughs> David, to get sweat. Knees are weak, palms are sweaty. <laughs> I'll start. I'll give you a lie to start with. Okay, okay. this is a good lie. Okay. Last we we've been learning new songs for the band, and we're learning Natalie and Bruley's "Torn." Okay, <laughs> and uh, we were supposed to learn it to maybe play last week. And uh, our keyboard player Joe was asking me about it. He was like, "Hey." Is that song in F or E? And I was like, I thought about it for a long time. I thought and thought and thought. And then I was like, F. <laughs> but, the, but the thing was, I had no idea. <laughs> I lied. I, I gave the impression. This is not a true lie. Because I, I didn't say, oh, I listened to it a lot and practiced and it's in F. What it was was a guess. I gave the impression that I had studied something but i hadn't oh like yeah now i will say this i was listening to it in my head and i can just hear how the song goes and i knew i was correct it is an f you can hear from the way the the strings don't ring out that it's a bar chord of some sort so i knew it was an f but that was my lie for the week that's a pretty good lie when you lie right to a friend it's a great lie yeah you don't have to we didn't prepare you to tell a lie only if you want to. Maybe you need um, something to get something off your chest. This is time to get it out. Every time I tell the other guys in the fair weather that I'm proud of them, <laughs> um, I'm just buying more time <laughs> for them to be my friend. So. That's a good lie. <laughs> do you have a lie, Sam? Dude, I don't, dude. Um, do you want to tell the lie, the good lie we found out at Pins the other yeah, day? Yeah, so, well, there's two. Two more. We told, well, one will be told. And uh, so we go to Pins, me and Mike, after a show. We talk to people. We're like, yo, do you lie? And the dude is like, yeah, I got to lie. I've been waiting to tell somebody. And he's like, I've been calling off work for the last five days. And then, like, today I said, yeah, my knee's just broken. <laughs> That's why I haven't been in. I should probably just quit. Yeah. <laughs> That's and <what> he said. <laughs> wow. And then we asked another guy. He's like, do you lie? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like. Oh, this is a street meet guy. (laughs) He's like, my wife asked if I looked at other women. (laughs) While I'm doing my street meet job. And he was like, oh, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that. (laughs) The thing is, he does look at other women while he's. He's like, I'm not dead. (laughs) You know, I look at other women while I do my street meet sales. So those are our lies. The broken knee. That's a good one. Oh, I can't come into work. I broke my knee. Just broke it. You know what? You might have have a knee anymore. I should probably just quit. Got to go to the knee shop. Yep. So, hey, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things. Thanks for listening. Next week is the Green Album.
like talk whenever you want. It's not like, what's that? Yeah. So May tenth, ninety four, the sign was the number one song. Keep talking by Pink Floyd. I'd never heard of that. Yes, it is. Oh, I don't. But I don't know. Like I know like one or two songs on that album. Damn. Yeah, that was the number one album. That's crazy. It is crazy. That was like their last album as a band. Oh, what is that? The one with the like stone heads on it? But yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm rec- we, we we're talking, you. but you know that I'm recording because so I always hit record. By the time you sit down, it'll be on Green Album. This is so disgusting. It's really disgusting. Oh, Sam. I'm oh. drinking coffee. I'm yelling at him like he has headphones <laughs> on. Um. Yeah, I mean, one thing, yeah, I read that. One thing I was reading, or, yeah, re- thinking about a lot with this is, like, like Dookie came out a couple months before. Right. Ne- Nevermind came out. Never- yeah. <laughs> a year before. Or, yeah. Dude, um, we need to get a picture. Huh? We need a picture. What? We need it. You heard No, I didn't. A picture, a photograph. Oh. Like the Weezer song. We, we, you should be in it though. Yeah, get get one of the kids to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Whoa. If you need more, let me know. Oh. Yeah. Thanks. If it's seriously more, tell me. It won't be. I might even owe you some. Okay. <laughs> Just from because we put it's all on. Is that like a drug deal? Yeah, it's a drug deal also. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> it's not we're, very rock and roll. We're right under the heater, so it goes from extremely hot to pretty. <laughs> it's cold. like my apartment. That's how I, I'm like, God, damn. it's like it's so hot, and then I'm like, it's so cold. I'm gonna video this. What are you gonna video? Are we doing? Are we doing the shots right now? We can. I'm drinking coffee. It's kind of gross. I hate this so much. Oh, God. I can't video and do this. Dude, are you proud of me? You didn't leave an inch. I didn't. Oh, that's the... Are you recording one after this? No. I got to ask you guys about uh, your bass player, Phil. Oh, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Cool? We can talk about Bruce on the podcast if you want. <laughs> this is kind of weird. should totally be a guest later. I've never oh, met yeah. him. Is he, he be, cool? Yeah, he's, yeah. Fun, he's funny. Will yeah. he be good to learn all of our songs? Hell we, yes. Dude, no dude you're going to fire your bass player <laughs> after you <laughs> yeah. hear Bruce. I'm serious. Like, is he good? Like, yeah. Bruce fucking Do you like him more than... What's he He's guy? different than Jeff. Jeff's like rock, and Bruce is like more like theory, like, yeah. you know, like... All right, so I won't worry about him. No. Jeff, Jeff pl- plays, like, a classic Fender. Bruce plays some weird bass. Like, I don't even... Bruce it, Bruce can do any fucking thing you ask him to do. I'm serious. Like, he, if you're just like, I, oh, God, I forgot to tell you, Bruce, we play this song uh, Step and a Half Up. He'll just be like, okay. <laughs> I've, sound guys have come up... Sound guys who have worked with Bruce before, like when Bruce will sub with us, we, we, sound guys will be like... This is, 
the easiest bass player to mix ever. He's he's like the most even bass player. Like mm. his attack is perfect. His like his technique is immaculate. Like Bruce doesn't do anything wrong. Like he you if you pay attention, you'll be like, holy shit. No, like, that's there's good. That's encouraging. Because Kevin's like, Kev- <laughs> we don't communicate. We have dysfunctional communication. Yeah. Plus, like, we, we haven't seen each other that much. It's been over text. But I'm like, dude, like, we got to make sure this guy's good. And he's like, oh, he's some old hippie. Like, I'm like, dude, that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> An old hippie could be. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like such, a, such a big generation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, yeah. You do not need to worry about Bruce. Bruce will show up, and you'll be like, you'll be like, this is the easiest sub we've ever had That's for anything. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, hey, are we ready? Bah. Bah? Okay, hold on one second. This is exciting. This I is know, the, right? This here, is the big time. Here it comes. One, two, three. 